Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, let's roll. What's going on? It is time for the Awesomeo NFL Strategy Show. And this Friday show has taken a few iterations, a few turns over the course of the season. For a while, it was the Top Stacks show. Well, that makes sense when you're doing a main slate here. But as we've adjusted to the playoff schedules with the Saturday and Sunday slates, we've been breaking down two game slates for a couple weeks now with my co-host, Matt Gajeski. Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Matt, how are you today? Getting ready for this championship game slate? Yeah, man, I'm really excited. Just trying to cherish the few games we have left. And we have a couple really exciting offenses. And, and like you said, top stacks doesn't necessarily make the most sense at this point. You're, I feel like you're naturally just going to run into some stacks and probably some negative correlation at that. But as far as the games go, I'm super excited to see these offenses. Yeah, me too. And, and, you know, what's really fun about this, this particularly the AFC matchup to me is like the Cincinnati Bengals are playing with house money, right? No one expected them to get this far. They're playing against the heavyweight champ of their conference, the juggernaut, uh, Kansas City Chiefs here. And in the NFC, you've got a home team favor trying to win and be the second straight team to be uh, the home team in the Super Bowl, essentially. But They're in a divisional matchup for the third time, and they lost to the San Francisco 49ers team twice here. So some really, really interesting stuff. By the way, I'm Matt Savoca. If you don't know who I am, you can follow me on Twitter at Draftaholic. And thanks again to producer Mike, who is getting all this ready beforehand while dealing with some sort of internet outage that we all worked through. Good to go here. So before we get into the two games here, Matt, let's talk about the bird's eye view of this this slate. Are we talking about one particular team or one particular game more than the other? Is there some team that we're kind of staying away from? What are you feeling about from a macro perspective when it comes to this slate? Yeah, there's clearly one game that's better. It's nearly 10 points higher in terms of the total. And we're talking about Cincinnati, Kansas City. And that happens to be the early game. And then you look at Kansas City within the total, their 30 and a half point implied team total is by far the highest on the board, more than five points higher than any other team and pushing a touchdown higher than the LA Rams who are second on this list. And then you have a team in the Cincinnati Bengals while they're nearly touchdown underdogs, they're just right behind LA in terms of their implied team total. So to me, it stands out that that's going to be a game that people are stacking and rightly so. 
And how do we get contrained with that? I, I think if you leave some salary on the table, that is one potential way. And you can also look to the second game on the board with San Francisco and LA and potentially stack up that game and gain some leverage. But from a bird's eye view, I right away, I think this Kansas City team is one we need to be honing in on. Now, in, in general, uh, so that's where the field is kind of going here. Are you kind of going that way or and just kind of being contrarian bit by bit, player by player in your lineup? Or are you doing what you kind of talked about there? Are you trying to flip the build saying that actually the San Francisco LA game is the one that goes over its expected total here? I believe it's 45 and a half right now and sort of uh, flipping the build, if you will, this week. Which way are you leaning? Yeah, so you and I have talked about tournaments a lot at this point. I think there's multiple ways you can do this. You can certainly play your Kansas City stacks and you can get contrarian within them. It's not the most easy offense to do so, but if you want to take Mahomes and then maybe one of the studs like Kelsey and Hill and then throw in some of the contrarian pieces like a Mecole Hardman or a Demarcus Robinson, I think that's one particular way you can do so. Or you can flip the build entirely. I do have a lot of interest in the Rams as a stack. And then it's a little more difficult to navigate the San Francisco side with Jimmy Garoppolo being injured and, and we'll dig into that. So right now, my tentative way to do this is to build contrarian lineups within the Kansas City stack. But how do you view it? What What is your thoughts on, on that question? Yeah, you know, it's kind of obviously each lineup is different. And I'll talk about this later on because I'm actually hand building a whole lot more than I usually do for a main slate when it comes to a two game slate. And so I'm building for specific game environments. But honestly, when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs specifically, I'm sticking to the core players here, the big three, and, and I'll take some shots on the running back situation. We'll get into that uh, when we get to the game by game breakdown. But to be honest, the large amount of my Kansas City Chiefs ownership is centered around the players we all know and love. I'm getting contrarian in other ways on this slate. So I'm kind of leaning into that game in some of my hand builds, right? Because I'm going to play other Cincinnati Bengals options on top of that. But there are others where I'm basically building a whole game environment around San Francisco, LA, and then tacking on a couple superstars from the Kansas City Chiefs where salary appropriate. So as we, we've said multiple times here, there are different ways to do this. There are different ways to take down a million dollars. It's all about being unique. And so I love this part in the beginning where we just kind of go back and forth about the different ways you can approach this because a game environment standpoint, these two games are expected to be very, very different. So I appreciate you going that, through that with me. And guys, give us a like and subscribe subscribe while you're at it so you can keep up with all of our shows over here at Osmo, all of our DFS offers, our giveaways, and much, much more. You guys know we're always doing special promos and stuff because once you subscribe and hit that notification button to get alerts on when shows go live, you can check out today's free premium tools as well, uh, which include the NBA player rankings and the NHL top stacks. Pretty cool stuff over there. All right, let's dig into this two-game slate. We'll start with that high-total AFC championship game, Cincinnati at Kansas City. You know, a lot of people are saying that basically the only way that Cincinnati keeps pace with this high-powered offense in Kansas City, and it is as high-powered as we've ever, ever seen it during these playoffs, is if the trio of Burrow, Higgins, and Chase really show up in a big way here. Do you agree with that? I 100% agree with that. I think the offense essentially flows through them. We can talk stylistics and kind of get our hands in the dirt here, how the Bengals play. We know their weakness on the offensive side of the ball is their line. I think it's evidenced by the number of sacks that Burrow took, but also 
the struggles that Joe Mixon's had on the ground, he's had productive DFS outings through sheer volume and an increased role in the receiving game. But this offense is a little hamstrung by that offensive line. We know Kansas City is pretty strong up front. So how does Cincinnati get the job done and how do they put up big DFS scores? You got to think it's through the air. Am I crazy by thinking that? Oh, certainly not crazy. You know, the thing I've been toying with as we get further on this week, and and first of all, let's start here and say that I that's the first way when I opened up the book, saw that we were dealing with here in terms of the numbers, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, at least one of Chase and Higgins has to get a ceiling score in order for this to be, first of all, valuable for DFS, but second of all, to be a close game because I see almost no way the Kansas City Chiefs are getting slowed down offensively. The more I think about it, though, I think that one approach they are going to try, I don't know if it's going to be successful. Hear me out on that. I don't know if it's going to be successful, but I think they may try to play keep away by having very methodical run focused drives with Joe Mixon to a take time off the clock and b just limit the number of plays that Kansas City can have on offense in order to hurt you. Because I don't know if anyone in the Cincinnati secondary can really hang with this team, especially in the fact that, you know, this Kansas City offense has film on this defense to try, you know, all that Andrew Andy Reid trickery. I, I just don't. Only scenario I really don't see is the Kansas City Chiefs being held to something like 15, 20 points. That obviously affects how I feel about the offense. I still think Joe Mixon going off could be one key here. And the Kansas City Chiefs were bad defensively against the run, third worst in yards allowed per rush attempt during the regular season. Right. And in the context of this slate, you have a kind of a really weird phenomenon where both of the backs that have a consistent, clear workload are underdogs. And Joe Mixon, I think, is the most secure workload out of anyone. Cam Akers, I think we can debate. The fumbles are kind of a weird wrinkle in that situation. But as far as security within the workload, I think Joe Mixon has the most secure workload, but he's also playing as a touchdown underdog. You raise really interesting points about Cincinnati potentially trying to play keep away. They did this a little bit to start the year. I think that was more so with Joe Burrow coming back from the ACL tear in under a year. So they kind of wanted to ease him into action, but we've seen them open it up lately. Of course, there's a very different opponent than anything Cincinnati's faced thus far in the playoffs. So that's a really interesting wrinkle. Ultimately in your lowest contest and generally how I'm building is towards the spread, which is still really high, which is still Cincinnati a seven point underdog. So I do have a lot of interest in Joe Mixon just based on the limited alternatives but I really want to be focusing on the pass game. And a lot of that comes down to Joe Burrow's easy to stack. You have players at every single price point. If you want a contrarian option away from the Cooper Cups, the Tyree Kills, you have Jamar Chase. If you want to save a little bit of money, you can go down to T. Higgins. And if you're looking for the punt type play, we don't really have any true punts, but someone in the 4K range, you have Tyler Boyd. You could use a zone at tight end. I like that there's multiple ways to stack Burrow. And if you're running a chief stack, there's also ways to get contrarian with your run back. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because especially players like Boyd and Uzoma. You know, maybe you can do something like Hill Kelsey, Burrow, and a cheap option in this passing attack. I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, done going to the value options here. I know T. Higgins could absolutely have a huge game, but like let's let's just say it how it is. Jamar Chase has been kind of unstoppable in the playoffs, and we've had just insane superstar performances from Tyree Kill and Cooper Cup that have kind of buried Jamar Chase. But this rookie receiver has had at least 109 yards receiving in both of his first playoff games. I mean, he's a big reason why this offense is where it is in the conference championship game when no one expected them to be. It's it's really good for this team's long-term offensive trajectory that Burrow, Chase, and Higgins are all clicking as well as they are right now. So who are we to say that it doesn't, that it stops right here against a chiefs defense that has been kind of mediocre at best. So I think that kind of covers it for the Cincinnati Bengals side. Any other last thoughts, anyone be below Uzoma? I really have no one else. Maybe P Ryan. I don't think I want to get too much P Ryan. I, I understand the thesis, but I was talking about this with Lafayette earlier in the week. What does a P Ryan ceiling look like? I, I think you need Mixon to get hurt essentially. And then is there any guarantee that he outscores the other backs? I mean, in the Millie maker, you can do anything. We've seen these kind of plays win, but outside of that, it, it's not one I'll get to. And I think you can be contrarian enough without having to get to the P Ryan plays. One way you could leave a little salary on the table. I don't think there's anything crazy with like going 4,900 or 49-2 in your builds, and then they still look pretty good, but people like to maximize their salary, but it's a two-game slate, very similar to a showdown. There's ways mm-hmm. to get contrarian, but I don't know if it, you need to do Pirine. Someone says Matt looks more and more like he's turning into Casper. Got to get this lighting right, but hey, at least I'm a friendly ghost, right? So that, that's oh, I thought good. they were talking about me. Oh, oh. It could that's be, a good it could point. Be me too. That's a, I didn't even... That's, that's how that's how selfish we are. When we see our own name, we just assume that it's us. We know that there are two mats on the show. Fantastic. Okay, great. Moving on to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, this team is, uh, let's say, on a roll. Uh, one of the best games we've ever seen in that game against Buffalo. Uh, we can quibble about the overtime rules later. Uh, but right now, it looks like Kansas City has arguably its easiest matchup in terms of defensives they faced in the playoffs this week. Am I wrong there? I think so. How do you view that? I, I mean, I, I certainly say so in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I think that the Bengals are the worst team to qualify for the playoffs this year. They were well below average and they lean towards being a pass funnel. That That's usually bad when you're playing Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. That seems bad to me. Yeah, I agree. The Bengals, I think, kind of just lucked out with the schedule they played going up against the Raiders and then facing one of the weakest one seeds. I think I can remember in Tennessee, but I mean, I, I, like you said, I think this sets up well for the chiefs offense. Like we know Cincinnati can score and we know they can keep pace with you for DFS purposes. And the total reflects this it's Cincinnati's defense. Sometimes that's allowed production and Kansas City's going to score on anybody. And when you have 
a slightly weaker defense than what they've faced recently. Like the Bills defense, I think is certainly better. It bodes well for all the Kansas City skill players. And I mean, we know everyone's going to play him. We know Mahomes will be popular. Tyreek Hill, of course, who's he got priced up a little bit, but in my opinion, he's still egregiously underpriced. Kelsey's kind of the standout tight end. There's not really a player right now that has the same ceiling as him. I think you could argue Kittle has the same ceiling, but his role has just been a little depressed with a Herc Garoppolo. So Kelsey kind of stands out there too. I think people will try to jam in Tyreek and Travis Kelsey together, which makes a lot of sense. But you do have players now like Byron Pringle, who's very consistent in that wide receiver two role, something we haven't really seen with Mahomes. You have your dart throws as the wide receiver threes, your, your Hardmans, who's more of your gadget guy, and then Demarcus Robinson. I don't really know what to call him other than like a glue guy. He's not targeted very often when he's running routes, but he is out there, and we've seen him pop up for big games occasionally on a two-game slate. Those are the kind of guys I will take shots on with this immense implied team total. But I don't know. I think facing the Bengals is a really good matchup for Mahomes. Totally. Totally. I'm in no disagreement there. The the big dilemma I'm really having here, do I go 4,300 Byron Pringle or 4,200 Tyler Boyd? Uh, And then obviously we got to get to this backfield because getting this backfield right might be that skeleton key piece that you need to win a tournament. Um, you know, do you have a read on this? You know, if you're deciding between Boyd or Pringle, which one you would want? And then, yeah, let's dig into that Kansas City Chiefs running game because Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back, but Jarek McKinnon continues to outtouch him. Yeah, I think the one-for-one decision, all things considered, just in a vacuum, it's Pringle for me. Their roles are similar. And then with Pringle, you have a lot more touchdown equity just with a higher implied team total. So pretty easy for me. That makes a lot of sense there. And uh, how are you feeling about this backfield again? I mean... Look, I know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a first-round pick, but I just, like, have not seen it on the field in any sort of consistent manner. I know that they're probably going to ramp up his touches. I think he had nine overall opportunities last week, but Jarek McKinnon's sitting at, like, 17 total opportunities, and he's had that two straight weeks now in the playoffs. Uh, Convince me that I shouldn't play more Jarek McKinnon just like the field is going. Honestly, I I think this could be just a split 50-50, and... McKinnon didn't play well. Like McKinnon had the one big game. And then last week he was pedestrian at best. I think he was pretty good as a pass catcher, but on the ground, he showed nothing. Edwards Hilaire certainly outperformed him in that regard. So I think just the most likely scenario is you've Clyde Edwards Hilaire handling early down work. You have McKinnon handling passing down work. And then around the goal line, I think there's still a preference towards Edwards Hilaire. Basically, I'm going to look at ownership to try to determine who I want out of these two. And there's still a little fluidity with this. Like right now we have Jared McKinnon projected very well, but I just want to highlight that this is fragile. So based on the sentiment late this weekend, I think you could get some edge with Clyde Edwards Hilaire if he comes in with lower ownership. And again, I think this is fluid and I think it's going to maybe change a little bit depending on some of the news we get, some of the sentiment around the league. I definitely want a piece of whichever Kansas City back comes in lower. I'll say that, but right now I'm not sure who it is. And I think it's it's a volatile enough where we could take a stab with the under-owned player. Uh, Talon Saberos asks in, in chat, what do you think of playing both McKinnon and CEH? I am full out on that. Just the way that this offense leans towards being pass first. Yes, it's possible that a running back garners a lot of that production, but two running backs garnering a lot of that production, I think that is a very, very low probability outcome. You agree, Matt? I agree. It's got to be like Millie Maker size field. Like anything with over 100,000 entries. 
And the last thing I'll say to all this, you know, I don't disagree with you talking about this being a full 50-50 split by the time we get to this game on Sunday with the way that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire continues to be worked into the offense. But doesn't that just make Joe Mixon a little bit more enticing? Because you've got the same situation with timeshares in Los Angeles where maybe those two fumbles really affect things. Daryl Henderson might be activated off IR, so now you might have three viable running backs there. You got Debo Samuel eating into Eli Mitchell's touches in San Francisco. So the only bell cow running back you've really got possibly is Joe Mixon. I'm kind of bullish on odd shopper right now. We're seeing some rushing props of 55 and a half rushing yards. We got him projected for well over that 68% of the time in our latest runs of simulations. You know, again, I'm going backwards a little bit, but I just think he might be the only bell cow here that kind of convinced me. I mean, certainly from an efficiency standpoint, Edward Solaire was the better of the two Chiefs running backs, and he's going to be lower owned. That probably is just solid DFS process to go with Edward Solaire. I think you're right on that. I also agree with Mixon. Those were that was something that was really highlighted to me. The the issue with Mixon is you're just paying more in salary, so you're probably foregoing one of the elite receivers if you play Mixon. But at the same time, his workload is so consistent that you could be gaining ground on the field by avoiding some of these timeshare backs. So I think there's ways to build with him and ways to build without him. We are brought to you at this week as we are every single week by Jock Market. Jock Market has turned fantasy sports into a stock exchange where you can make money every minute every second, every hour, where you buy and sell shares of players in real time for real money. You can use promo code AWESOMO to get up to a $50 first match deposit bonus. You can download the app today in the Google Play Store or the App Store, and they've got markets for the NFL, NHL, NBA, the PGA, which is back, and the MLB if they get their act together. Use, uh, you, they got pregame IPO to pick up shares of your favorite players. And again, they have a first market guarantee where they will refund any losses in your NFL or NBA market up to $100. So definitely check it out today and use promo code AWESOMO. Okay, I realize we're running up against the clock here. We got to talk about this NFC championship game. Let's start with San Francisco. How much Debo Samuel is too much Debo Samuel? And are we getting to George Kittle or is it just too much blocking for him compared to the other superstars on the slate? I'll be playing a lot of George Kittle game script has not gone, you know, according to the spread for the San Francisco team They're based on the spreads in their previous matchups, they're not supposed to be here. And that's told me that they've been in run heavier game scripts than they could be seeing here as an underdog. So Kittle, he's actually running a, a lot of routes. It's just not, they're not throwing the ball a lot to begin with. So there is a little bit of untapped upside with Kittle. I like him as a pivot off Kelsey. He has a positive leverage score for us. Debo's interesting for the same reason. When this team is down, when they're in true pass sets, Depot's not going to be in the backfield. Like his route should increase, his target should increase. It's when they're playing from ahead where you see elevated Debo carries. He's another guy I want to watch in terms of ownership. If it's very low, I like him as a pivot off some of the elevated price guys like Cup, Tyreek Hill. But right now, if he stays in his current range, I think I'll be fading him in favor of the guys like Jamar Chase, who just have more upside from a receiving standpoint. But he's a guy to watch. Right now, I think he's a guy I want to be underweight on tentatively. Interesting. Debo Samuel is one of those players who I understand why our projections just kind of week after week are saying like, I'm not really sure that he can continue this kind of efficiency. 
And then week after week, he is like clearly the best player on the field with Kyle Shanahan, possibly the most creative in getting his playmakers the ball in space. I mean, he's using Debo Samuel on kick returns. He has 59 total yards in terms of kick returns. He averages almost four yards a carry last week. They're running the ball on third and seven with the game on the line and under two minutes to go in the middle of the field. And he's getting that conversion easily. I mean, Debo Samuel is just, if it weren't for the fact that Cooper Cup is playing in this game, we would be raving about Debo Samuel and his overall season here. He just happens to be shadowed by one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time. I, I like the over on his prop for receiving right now. Uh, that was I my favorite one, too. I was, I was going to highlight that. It's my favorite bet. There you go. Yeah, 50.5 50, 50 yards receiving. If that is true, they're in a negative game script. They're going to need him in the receiving game, and they're going to find ways to get him off of Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they're going to move him everywhere. And he could get receptions out of the backfield. They like to use misdirection and motion. Debo's not going to be on Ramsey. Or I guess I should say Ramsey's not, Ramsey's not going to be on Debo every single route. Totally, totally. And, and then Eli Mitchell. You know, he's the player that if Debo continues to get rushing attempts, he's getting his workload eaten into, but he's still third in this slate and expected fantasy points per game. That's just an opportunity metric on a scale fantasy points that we all understand. You know, it's not that he is getting so little usage now that he's unusable, but he feels kind of secondary in this offense, not quite at Brandon Ayuk level, but you know, how are you feeling about Eli Mitchell here? He's kind of in the same, I guess I, not the same role, but a similar role to Joe Mixon, where he is a very consistent workload. He just seed a little bit of work to Debo Samuel, but ultimately the guy's still seeing 20 touches per game pretty consistently, but now he's an underdog. So how does that change this workload? Again, they've been underdog underdogs in the past already in the playoffs, but they haven't played to the spread. So I think we've seen a little more positive game script from Mitchell than we could expect. And that's the case again here. I think he's a little risky and I would rather take some shots on some of the cheaper players. And there's one on the other side in Cam Akers, who I have a lot of interest in getting back to. All right, before we get there real quick, if you are a resident of Louisiana or New York, sports betting is now live in your state. Welcome sports betting to your state with some fantastic bonus offers we have available here at Awesomeo. Just click either link pinged in the live YouTube chat to browse all of our offers, including a bet $10, win 200 if any team scores a touchdown in either conference championship this Sunday with BetMGM and a free NBA jersey if you bet $100 with Caesar Sportsbook. You can also take advantage of $1,000 risk-free bet with BetMGM and up to a $1,500 match, the first match deposit bonus with Caesars in both Louisiana and New York as well. These offers are too good to pass up, so click that pin link and start betting. All right, we got to get out of here, but close us out with the Los Angeles Rams. We're going to say this. Cooper Cup is good. Play all the Cooper <laughs> Cup you want, but you mentioned Cam Akers. Why is he such a good value play this week in particular? Yeah, honestly, I don't think a lot of time needs to be spent on the Rams. Cooper Cup's still probably going to be under-owned from his, his price and his salary. Odell Beckham is a fantastic contrarian option. I think if you're stacking Stafford, love the Cup to Beckham stacks with Stafford. Higby's fine there too. And Van Jefferson's a fantastic lower-owned version. I think he's the cheapest receiver I feel confident in. I say confident loosely, that I'm comfortable playing is probably a better way to phrase it. But the situation that's more intriguing is this backfield with Akers fumbling twice. But ultimately, my tentative lean is they go right back to him. It's a guy they rushed back from an Achilles surgery. They very easily could have just let him rehab the rest of the year. They immediately insert him over a productive back in Sony Michelle. 
And I'm not really worried about Daryl Henderson potentially being activated. This is a guy that was already phased out of the offense, largely when Sonny Michelle outperformed him down the stretch. With them forcing Akers back into action this quickly, I, I think they go right back to him unless there's another misstep. Like, this isn't a guy that has a history of fumbles, so I think it's just a blip on the radar. I completely agree. I kind of buried the lead when I was talking about Joe Mixon. Cam Akers, the best median projection compared to salary-based ex expectation at his entire position. If I'm playing one of the auxiliary options, I much prefer finding the salary to get up to Odell Beckham compared to Tyler Higbee. And if I am playing one of those uh, other options, I am going to Van Jefferson. Played 90% of snaps. I know he's still banged up. He uh, is It's a questionable status. Obviously, if he's hurt, don't play him. But uh, I'm not really getting to a whole lot of Tyler Higby. Okay, guys, that is the uh, just the really fast 25 minutes tournament strategy show should be an amazing conference championship game. Any last words for the people, Matt, before we get out of here? Thank you guys for being with us all season long. We'll have content for you all the way up until kickoff with our live before lock. So all these situations we're talking about monitoring, we'll have a little bit more of a clear view when Sunday comes. But thank you guys for being here. Appreciate you very much. Yep, well said. That Follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. I am Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. Keep it right here on the Awesome O YouTube channel. At 1 p.m., we got the Yahoo NFL show with Kaufman and Eric. We got the 2 p.m. NHL strategy show with Cliffy and Harris. 4 p.m., the Prize Picks live NFL show with Aton and Emac. And from 4.45 to 7. And then all the way through to 7.30, we've got the NBA Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock with Loppy, with Josh, with Terry, and with Gundacker. We got all great content for you leading all the way up to these Sunday's games. For Matt, for producer Mike, I'm Matt Savoka. We'll see you guys next time.